Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Again, my name is Andrea Best, and like Shannon said, I serve here as the Women's Ministry Coordinator. It's such an honor. Um, thank you to all of you who have joined us this morning. It's always exciting to just see faces up here. Um, and thank you to everyone who's joined us online, whether you're watching live or later, thank you and welcome. Now, I haven't been a part of the Vineyard that long, but I've been here long enough to experience some pretty amazing things about how the Vineyard movement operates, but more specifically, how this church moves, right? And so, I've been here long enough to confidently say, SSV, don't play about small groups. That's one thing. We are actually in our last week of this uh, nine-week small group session, and I've had the privilege of co-leading a worship, a praise and dance worship small group with Latoya Stevens, and it's just been amazing. Small groups is where we can meet new people, build relationships, strengthen those relationships, and so let me just let y'all know, SSV, we don't play about small groups, right? Another thing I've been here long enough to know is that you don't have to search far or hard for somebody who is ready and willing to pray for you and with you. That's just something about the people here. You don't have to go searching far for somebody who's just going to be willing to partner with God for you. And I've also been here long enough to hear a phrase that seems to be commonly used within the vineyard. And this phrase is, come Holy Spirit. Now, I got to admit, when I joined this church, it was the first time I had really ever heard this phrase, come Holy Spirit. But the more and more my family and I hung around the SSV, the more we heard this phrase, come Holy Spirit. And if you've been here for any amount of time, like if you were just here right now in worship, you heard the phrase, come Holy Spirit. At first, it kind of seemed like just something everybody said, you know, like if you hang around a certain person long enough, you may start talking like them or using the same phrases that they use. Something like that. I thought it was like that or maybe another church catchphrase. But then I started to pay attention to when people said it. And there seemed to be a little bit of t intentionality, not only behind when the words were used, but how they were used. Sometimes, come Holy Spirit, it was followed by an awkward moment of silence before somebody prayed for you, as if they were waiting for something. Other times, come Holy Spirit, were the words that ended times of worship, like we just saw here. I began to notice these words weren't just thrown around because they sounded cool. These words had purpose. When we say, come Holy Spirit, I find there's a certain posture that comes along with it. Like this is not an order or a demand from us. It's not like when your parents call you by your government name and they tell you to come here. It's not like that. This prayer is an invitation. In previous weeks, we explore, we've been exploring the, the passage of scripture in John where Jesus tells the disciples that he'd be giving them the Holy Spirit who would never leave them. And so my first thought is, well, if the Holy Spirit is always with us and is always present, why does he need an invitation? It's like, why do I need to invite you to a birthday party that's at your own house? 
Well, because I want to acknowledge and I want you to know that I want you there. Same with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is already present and always moving, when we extend this invitation, we're assuming a specific posture. And this posture, it could say a whole lot of things. It could say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It could say, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I yield to your way, I yield to your will, and I yield to your way. This posture could say, I see you, Holy Spirit, please, more of you. And so it's not just about the words, come Holy Spirit. I don't want to just give the Lord lip service. You know, I don't want to just say, come Holy Spirit, because I'm in the vineyard now, and that's what we say. You know, I want to be sure my heart is postured in a way that not only says, Holy Spirit, I want your presence, but Holy Spirit, I need your presence. So for the past few weeks, we've been in a series exploring the person in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And like Shannon said, we've been walking alongside hundreds of other vineyard churches in this series called Empowered. And so as we walk through this series on the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to understand the foundation of what we believe when it comes to the triune God, the Trinity. When I say triune God, I mean God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. They are all perfectly united together, all equal in power and in glory. Pastor Gino, he opened the series with some foundational truth about who the Holy Spirit is. The fact that the Spirit is an indwelling presence who always points us to truth. In week two, Renee beautifully helped us explore what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit. She explained the importance of companionship and conversation with the Spirit. And she also challenged us to practice silence, which I don't know about y'all, was a lot harder than I expected it to be, much harder. In week three, Jordan talked about prophecy, which he explained was hearing from God for other people. I love the way he reminded us that everyone gets to play. It doesn't matter how young or old you are, how long you've been walking with Jesus, anyone can hear from God. And then last week, Lauren talked about the purpose of spiritual gifts and how important it is for us to walk in humility as we use our spiritual gifts to glorify God and to help people. Lauren's message, it was actually an amazing setup for what we'll be talking about today. Because towards the end of her message, she encouraged us to remember that it's not about us, it's really all about God. And the posture of our hearts can give us a glimpse into who we believe this life is really about. And so today, the title of this message, it's also going to be a challenge that I'm giving all of us. And so I'm calling the message, check your posture. I love the way our physical postures can be compared so much with our spiritual postures. I'm actually married to someone who gets paid to assess postures. 
My husband Ray is a physical therapist, and so I've heard my fair share of posture talk. <laughs> you know, why I need to be mindful of not slouching or be mindful of sitting with my shoulders back or why I need to do my exercises early on in my pregnancy because my back will thank me later on, you know, posture talk. <laughs> I've also been informed that there are severe long-term effects that could present themselves if we're not aware of our posture. And honestly, the same thing applies with our spiritual postures. It applies to this intentional come Holy Spirit posture that we're talking about today. Because if we're not aware of our heart posture, there could be some spiritual effects that could be consequential. And so today, I wanna explore a passage of scripture where Jesus gives us an example of how we can stay in alignment with this heart posture, the posture that recognizes our need for the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna be reading what's known as the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew, chapter six. And as I read the scriptures, feel free, there are Bibles on the um, ends of each of your rows. You can engage with those. You can engage with your devices, but we'll also be showing the words on the screen. But before I get to the text, let me pray. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we take this time to recognize that we need your presence. Lord, I ask that whatever it is that you have for all of the hearts in this room today, that you would just pour it out. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to be used by you. And so, Lord, use my words, use my lips, use my tongue, use my body, whatever it is that you want to do, Lord. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're starting at verse 9. And it says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, I know the Lord's Prayer is usually connected to a message about the Holy Spirit, but there are a few things I see in the Lord's Prayer that it actually points directly to this intentional heart posture that we're focusing on today. When I was in high school and I went to a Catholic high school, our school days usually began with us saying a pledge and the Lord's Prayer, or we also called it the Our Father. Then I didn't really give much thought to the meaning behind the words. You know, it's just a prayer that I prayed. Um, and that became the way that I interacted with the Lord's Prayer, was just repeating the words. But as I was studying for the message this week, I was able to view the Lord's Prayer in such a different way than I ever have. First, I'm drawn to the way the Lord's Prayer, it's a response to a request. 
The Lord's Prayer can also be found in the book of Luke. And there we can see that Jesus is responding to one of the disciples who said, Lord, teach us to pray. Already, the disciples are displaying this posture that's saying, we see you, Jesus, and we want to do it your way. Now, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, or if you like me and you've been saying it since you were young, I want to remind you that the Lord's Prayer, it was not just for the disciples in their own prayer lives. This prayer is still so immensely significant to us today, and it's, it'll always be relevant because Jesus is giving us this beautiful template on how to pray. I noticed three words that Jesus uses. In verse nine, he says, pray like this. I find it interesting that he didn't say, say these words or repeat after me. Other versions even say, this is how you should pray. He didn't say, this is what you should say. So when I see pray like this, I see get in this position or assume this posture. You know, not physically, but spiritually. And I'm not saying that we can't or shouldn't say exactly the words that Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, but again, this is a beautiful template here. It's not just the words, it's the posture. And so the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus begins saying the prayer, and he starts with, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Right away, he's letting us know where our focus should be. Our Father in heaven. First, this reminds us of our true identity as God's children. You know, we're not praying to a distant God. We are praying to a God who desires to have intimacy with us. Our Father. This also reminds us that we are talking to a big God. God of the universe. All-powerful, all-knowing, a sovereign God who rules over all creation, who resides in heaven. And so before we go any further, this is who our heart should be postured towards. Our Father in heaven, this should always be the starting point. And then Jesus says in verse 10, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What exactly does that mean? May your kingdom come soon, may your will be done. Well, the kingdom of God it's this dynamic realm where God is in charge. The kingdom of God is here, but not yet fully here. And this is what I mean by that. So think of God's kingdom as coming in two stages. The first stage began with Jesus' life and his ministry here on earth. The first stage, be, it, it, it brought the kingdom of God into the world, bro broken into this world. In this stage, God's kingdom coming, God's will is being done. But you also have the will of us humans being done, as well as the will of Satan. But the second stage of God's kingdom coming is when Jesus returns. And this is where there will only be one will being done, and that's the will of God. 
And so right now, we are living in this tension of God's kingdom being here, stage one, but it isn't fully here, stage two, because Christ hasn't returned yet. And so when we pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, we're saying, Lord, we want things to be the way you want them to be if you totally had your way now. And when I parallel this part of the Lord's Prayer with this come Holy Spirit posture, I see a connection. Both of them require a posture of dependence. Let's all take a moment. Think of all the different ways you can say, in your own words, may your will be done. Like, just take a quick, quick moment. Run them, through your, run them through your mind. What comes to mind for me is saying, Lord, I want whatever you want for me. Or I even think about saying, God, I yield to the plans you have for me, and I trust those plans. Now, when you thought about other ways of saying, may your will be done, did anybody get kind of nervous? Was it just me? <laughs> Acknowledging that I'm putting all my trust and all my weight on the Lord, it can be kind of scary. Because what I'm really saying is, Lord, I want whatever you want for me, even if that looks different than what I thought was best for me. And I'm saying, God, I trust the plans you have for me. I yield to those plans, even when the plans might involve a little struggle or selflessness or sacrifice. This heart posture of dependence, it recognizes and believes that the Holy Spirit really is who Jesus promised he would be. Our helper and our comforter and our advocate. And so if we're checking our posture of dependence right now, I think we have to start with a question. Do I have a relationship with the Spirit? Do I know who Jesus promised to send in his absence? Remember that companionship and conversation with the Spirit Renee talked about a few weeks ago? That's how we're going to build this relationship, you know, by engaging with the Spirit and learning and asking questions and listening. Is it easy for you to depend on somebody you don't know? It's not for me. We usually only depend on people who we know will come through for us or who we've seen come through for somebody else. So, for example, if somebody told me they knew this amazing loctician, you know, somebody who could retwist my locks for me, I'm probably not going to say yes until I read some reviews, I look at some pictures, maybe even talk to some other people about their work. Then once all that's done, maybe I'll give them a try. But it's really not gonna be until I experience their work for myself that I'm gonna be able to depend on them consistently. Because now I'm getting to know them. 
I'm learning, do they wash my hair thoroughly? Are they concerned about the health of my locks? Do they respect my time or am I in here for five, six hours? All of this, all of this is gonna help build our relationship. And so we have to take time to build and strengthen our relationship with the Spirit because if we don't believe that the Spirit is a comforter and a helper and an advocate, it's gonna be easy for us to depend on other things to be what the Spirit should be for us. Instead of depending on the Holy Spirit to be my comforter, I may find my comfort in online shopping or just scrolling on social media or eating junk food. Instead of depending on the Spirit to be my advocate, I might find the need to protect myself at all costs. Everything deserves a fight because who gonna advocate for me? And so, yeah, it, it may be intimidating and even a little scary to put all your weight on God, but what happens when you don't? Like, imagine sitting in the chair that you're sitting in right now and only putting some of your weight on it. Like, talk about affecting your posture. I'm, I'm using muscles to hold myself up that I don't even have to use because the chair was meant to hold all of my weight. It's just gonna start to get very uncomfortable. Eventually, I may even start to think that's the way the chair's supposed to function, only supporting some of me. And so when we fail to put our full weight on the spirit, it causes us to one, find other things to depend on, but then two, it could cause us to begin to think that God isn't supposed to carry all of our weight. And so let this be our prayer. Come Holy Spirit. We depend on you because we believe who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. Amen? Amen. Now, we're gonna go a little bit deeper. We're gonna walk into the deeper end of the pool. Y'all gonna come with me? Okay. And so let's take a look at verse 11 of our passage. It says, give us today the food we need. Jesus is telling the disciples and us to ask the Father to supply our daily needs. And so this tears down any thought that we may have that says, I got it on my own today, Lord. You can just chill, I got it today. We can acknowledge that we, we can't just depend on the Spirit when we need something. You know, you may have a, a test coming up or an interview that you've been preparing for. This is where we move from a posture of dependence to a posture of desperation. One thing I, I think we should embrace more as Christians is the fact that we are desperate. The world has given this word desperate a, a, such a bad rap. But in the life of a believer, we are desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 63, King David, he shares these words that shows us this posture of desperation. He says, oh God, you are my God. 
I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. Do you hear the desperation in his words? I earnestly search. My soul thirsts. My whole body longs. When was the last time you searched and longed for something like you were parched in the desert with no water? That is desperate. This heart posture of desperate says, I am lost without you. I wonder, would it make it easier for us to embrace our desperation if we knew the spirit was actually drawn to our desperation? Scripture said God's, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That means we don't have to walk around acting like we have it all together and that we can do it on our own. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't run away from our child who's hurt. We would run towards them. And God blesses us when we acknowledge how much we need him. Give us today the food we need. I need you today and every day. And so if we do a heart posture check here, we should be asking this question. Have I embraced my desperation? Have I become comfortable with praying prayers like, Holy Spirit, I'm weak. Or Holy Spirit, help me. Or Holy Spirit, come, I, I need you. But not only praying those prayers during really stressful moments, just praying, praying them at regular times during the day. Like Renee talked about, she, she said starting our day with, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then I would even say immediately taking on that posture of desperation that says, come Holy Spirit, I need you today. And we do this because, as Pastor Gino talked about in week one, the Spirit gives us eyes to see what's true. You know, the Holy Spirit guides us when we need truth. And that's in every moment, in all situations, no matter how big or small. And so let, let, let's let this be our prayer. Come Holy Spirit. We are desperate for you because when we acknowledge that we are nothing without you, you give us everything, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So, you move to the deep end of the pool. Now, y'all, we're about to be fully submerged. Who's ready to go all in? <laughs> Do y'all know as humans, we get choices? God has given us the ability to choose. Some may think of this uh, as the term free will. And yes, it's simply God's giving us the gift of choice. And so every day, I get to choose what I can eat for breakfast in the morning, what I wear for that day, what grocery store I get my, my groceries from, I get to choose. But I remember when I was younger, during the summer, I would spend the days at my grandparents' house. 
And on most days, I was just usually sitting in the living room on the couch with my grandma watching TV. Now, sometimes I would watch whatever kid's show was on, maybe Arthur or Zoom or basically whatever was on PBS Kids. But mostly, during the days, we would watch Matlock <laughs> or Perry Mason or The Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> and sometimes those 30-minute episodes felt like two hours long. <laughs> but my grandma, she never forced me to watch them. She would always ask me what I wanted to watch. And I would always say, it doesn't matter. I just, I'll just watch whatever you want. I just deferred to her choices because she was grandma. She cooked for me. She gave me money for snacks for the corner store. She let me spend the night whenever I wanted to. She took care of me when my parents needed her to. I let her make the choice for me because of her role and her position as grandma. And so when we talk about living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, and assuming this come Holy Spirit posture, it's imperative for us to live with a posture of deference. Living by the Spirit means I'm going to choose to defer to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. Let me tell you why this one right here is a game changer. Because it's probably the hardest one. And so getting this one right, it's gonna be challenging, but it's going to be rewarding. And so I defer to my grandma's choices, one, because she was grandma, but two, because of all the things she did for me, it was worth enduring all those hours of boredom as a kid because of how she showed up for me. And so we can defer to the Spirit when we're faced with the lie that we're not good enough. Because the Spirit will always lead us to truth. And the truth is, even before he made the world, God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's the truth. We can defer to the spirit when everybody in the office seems to be okay with having a work husband or a work wife. Because the spirit will always lead you to honor your marriage and respect your spouse. And so when a coworker comes up talking about work wife this, work husband this, you can respectfully, no thank you, I don't play those games. We can defer to the spirit when our group of friends are always gossiping about a classmate because the spirit will always urge us to walk in love towards others. And so the spirit can give you courage to stand up for that classmate or confront those friends and say, hey, that's not cool. Students, 
When you're trying to decide which path is best for you post high school, you can defer to the Spirit because He always moves us from preference-based to purpose-driven. You can defer to the Spirit when you find yourself measuring your worth by how smart your kids are, or how clean your house is, or how productive of a day you had. And y'all, the Spirit is speaking to me right now on this one. Because the Spirit is going to remind you that you, your worth, it is not found in what you do, or what you don't do. You are worthy because of what Christ already did, period. And I got a list. Other reasons why we should defer to the Spirit. Because the Spirit points us to God. Because the Spirit convicts us of our sin because the Spirit will testify to the character and nature of God, always. Because the Spirit will move us to apologize when we're wrong. The Spirit will lead us to steward our body and our sexuality well. The Spirit will urge us to be generous when we want to be stingy. The Spirit will empower us to live this life on mission. And that's just scratching the surface. We could be here all day because there are a million other reasons why we can and should live with this posture of deference. And like I said before, this, this one is probably the most challenging. It's hard to believe something different when you've heard something else all your life. It's hard to, it's difficult to, to go against the grain and go against what's popular. It's not easy to stop doing and start being. And it's gonna take practice. It's gonna take companionship with the Spirit and a constant checking of our postures. And worship team, you all can make your way back up. But remember, we don't have to do it alone. We have the spirit of the living God living within us. He is leading us and guiding us and walking with us every single moment of every single day. And so let's do a final heart posture check as I wrap things up. With all of these people in the room and those watching online, I'm sure we're all at different places in the pool. There could be some that you may need to check on your relationship with the Spirit. How is my posture of dependence? Am I putting all my weight on God? Then there are those that may need to embrace the fact that they are desperate. Check on your posture of desperation. And finally, there are those who need to check to see, am I in a posture of deference?
does the spirit get the final say? When you find yourself in the pool, wherever you find yourself, there's no better place to be but in the pool. Keep coming, keep walking, because the spirit wants to walk with you. We've mostly been talking about our heart posture today. But during times of worship, let your physical postures participate. So as we worship to this final song, consider raising your hands, lifting your eyes to heaven, even getting down on your knees and bowing. Don't worry about who's watching you and who's looking. This is between you and God. Let this physical posture be a posture of surrender. And let this be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. I see you. I need you. I want you to have the final say in my life. In Jesus' name.